Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. What do we do? We're gonna we're opening down again. We just had two down weeks in a row. You wake up this morning and everything is down. Stocks are down. Bitcoin is down. Gold is down. Everything is down. What are we gonna do, everyone? That's the question of the day. Uh, make volatility um, heat great again. We're gonna talk about all of this. All of this volatility that we're getting in the market right now. We'll, we'll talk um, some vaccine stocks. Uh, I wanted to uh, talk about Lee Auto for a second later on in the show because they, they did lower their guidance today. But um, that'll be later. We got to talk about this volatility. We got Tim Quast on eight thirty five to talk about it as well. We got Matt Hammond to preview the week in IPO land at nine. But man, we got a lot to discuss today because the market is interesting again. And I'm excited for that. So go ahead and smash that like button. And um, let us know what you think of our new graphics because we got some new graphics going on today. You like it. You don't like it. One, if you like it. And I don't. that's all I want to hear. I, do, I, I only want to hear if you like it. If you don't like it, I don't really want to hear that. Um, so all that being said, let's bring up Joel's charts. And uh, you can tell us about the damage this morning, Joel. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to announce a special event on September 28th on premarketprep.com. Uh, 1 to 1.30 exclusive, Gene Munster versus a mystery guest. Uh, we're going to cover some great topics. So go over to premarketprep.com and sign off that. Uh, putting together a good list of questions for that. Uh, let's go to the markets. Let's go to the screens here. And we got some major red here. An expiration turn. Uh, they were pounding the market in the after hours. The actual close was tw- up at 44.2175. But uh, by 5 o'clock, this thing was 13 handles lower. Not much uh, at 6 at six p.m. to hold the market up. Uh, 43.4850, that is your pre-market low. I have another daily low below that. I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But just trying to find support here in the pre-market, not doing a good job of it. S&P's down 1.56%. Crude, after getting close to 73 yesterday, testing 70, down to buck 73 at 7303. Gold, beacon of, of light here. The only green on my front page, up 590, 1757.30. Silver still in the red by a couple pennies at 23.32. Bitcoin joining the hit parade down $3,745 at 43700 
Ethereum falling nearly 11% here. We're, the futures are down $367 at $3059. Uh, Triple D, I mean, I want to... Can we blame it on the quad witch? You know, often turning points in the market. Well, you talked, we live talked about the buying balances, and you were saying, no, 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 be careful here. They could flip, and they flipped. A lot of them flipped big time. You just want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, we'll talk about that. I mean, the media is going to blame this whole thing on Evergrande. (laughs) That's what I'm just seeing. You know, they always find some fundamental reason the way it works. And I know this because I have reporters that call me all the time. The way it works is when they see the markets moving, they go and they try to find, okay, well, what's the final? They don't want to hear anything technical. They don't want to hear the markets overbought. They need a headline. I need a fundamental catalyst. What's happened? So Evergrande is going to be the scapegoat here for the sell-off that has been happening here for a while, just quietly. But, you know, we knew when we broke down on, and, and and you're right, Joel, Friday completely reverse, reversal. We opened right up into resistance. There was some stocks actually on Friday, and actually it's Thursday that we opened a resistance, but Friday we, we opened, we were trying to open higher. We were trading, you know, and it looked like we had some buy imbalances. And then we turned around and we flipped, but there was some wicked, wicked opens both ways. So check out this, check out Berkshire Hathaway where it opened. This is why you should have your orders out. You know, if you want to get out there, you know, even if you're not a day trader, even if you're not an efficiency trader, just having your order out there and ready to rock because you got a, a day that the spy was opening down. Berkshire Hathaway at the last second flipped to a buy imbalance and opened up almost four points. This is like a fund. I mean, this is, you know, moves with this high, high correlation in the overall market. It's buy down, burk up. And if you look at the chart, can we see? I, I get confused. I still don't like all these charts. So I'm looking at the top left, I guess. Yes. Yes. The, yes. But you can see it doesn't look like much, but we opened at 281 on Berkshire Hathaway on Friday. The stock had closed the previous day at 277 and a half on a day we were opening down. So fair value for Burke. I said this on Friday. I was like, this is how we play them. You know, you get the fair value, you offer short and you and you offer, you know, and you bid, you know, below that you know, fair value. And if stock opens too high, you get short. If stock opens too low, you get long. That strategy worked like a charm on Friday. So Berkshire Hathaway, 277.5. Fair value was down like 276. No, but 281. 281 came in. Like you took zero heat. Exxon Mobil opened up a dollar. It actually indicated and looked like it was going to open way down. They flipped it at the last second, and the stock opened up a buck on a day that crude was way down. Exxon Mobil straight in. Opening tick high. You short that. You took zero heat straight down all day. Um, Nike, another one. Nike opened up three bucks, three bucks on Friday. Bring that one up. And again, opening tick was the high straight down three points in about three minutes. And then it continued to leak all day. And now obviously it's gotten ugly. It does report this week, I believe on Thursday. Um, you had AT&T opening up 30 cents, Verizon opening down 30 cents, dogs and cats living in harmony. Not really, but I'm just saying those are paired up together. AT&T Straight down from the open Verizon went straight up from that open quickly to try to get back in line because those two stocks pair together. By the end of the day, they were paired right back up together. But those are inefficiencies that, you know, that prop traders take advantage of. Those are inefficiencies that, you know, and you can say, oh, ooh, 1%, whoop de doo da day. But I mean, when you're employing a lot of capital, you make 1% in one minute, it's a hell of a good trade. 
I still don't know why these guys are why these or these orders are put in. I know they need the opening print. I know they need the efficiency. Some institution just yeah. way thrown away. I mean, a why pile don't they just give us a call or send us an email or something, and we'll like save you a couple million dollars on those orders. I mean, holy Toledo! But uh, you know, you talked about it, and it, similar to the market, the market really tried in the opening couple minutes to rally, and it couldn't. Closed on the lows for the week. We got some follow through. I don't know. I mean, now it, now things are looking a little bit more, you know, a little bit more serious on the downside because now you got that that really a tough area now. You got people that were buying the dip on Friday, right? Because it always works. It always works. Now what do you do? And if you are one of those, well, traders, it might work you, again. We're not saying it doesn't work. This is a hell of a dip. Um, would I be selling stocks into this, nope. you know, heavily? Probably not. I'm just saying what has been working is buy the dip and sell the rip. But if you're just buying the dips and if you're getting to sell the rips, you're not doing very well in the last few weeks because we have been starting to leak here. But I mean, I think you just keep playing it the same way, you know, on days like this, if you're, you know, heavy in cash, you know, may, if you're on margin, you're, you know, you, I hate being on margin. I just tell you right now, you know, when you're heavy, heavy invested on margin, the market it works really well in an up market. It's really ugly in a down market, though. But, I mean, if you're sitting here with extra cash, maybe you're nibbling on some stocks. Maybe you're looking, you know, at what, you know, what's, you know, when we're going to highlight a few names today that still haven't breached their lows from a few weeks ago. But, I mean, at the same time, I think sell the rip is working better right now. So the easier trade, and people think shorting is evil, but the easier money has been shorting. Just think about that Friday open. Shorting those opens on Burke and, and Exxon Mobil and Nike. And you know what? You took zero heat. You were up significantly. So what has really been working well lately, maybe better than buy the dip is sell the rip. But we had that three, four days of the same range on SPY. And yep. we finally breached the lower end of the range. And now we get the collapse. You know, they're going to thank Evergrande for that. But whatever. You know, we, we broke major support. So you had people nervous. You had a week close on Friday. You come into the weekend and crypto gets beat up over the weekend. There's reasons to take profits. Can, so, and there is still you, a lot of profits in this can, market. Can I show you the one chart that everyone seems like everyone on there out there has seen? Right, this is a daily chart of the spy, and that 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 blue line up top there is a 50-day moving average. Yeah, so we and, cut that. Oh yeah, I was just going to everybody, everybody has seen this chart, right? I know you. Oh all, yeah, but even all, if you. Take the purple crayon. So I'm not a big fan of moving averages, but I know if you take the purple crayon, it kind of looks the same. Yeah. You, you know, you're trying to breach, you know, but yeah. are, but are we okay? Is this a fake down or a breakdown? We don't know that yet. Nobody knows. I don't care if you got the most, you know, the, the, the trader that has the best track record ever and just knows everything because nobody knows anything. It's all probabilities. So am I selling, you know, and load? I got to get the hell out now and sell everything on a day we're down 700 Dow points. Oh, I think you're doing it backwards. You had to be selling into the Friday open. And we've said, you know, three times last week I tweeted about selling the rip when we were ripping higher. Three times. Go look at my Twitter feed. So, I mean, the you opportunities to sell were plentiful. You know plentiful. what happened? Happened a lot too last week and is that we bounced hard. Like we went down into that a forty four twenty five forty four thirty area, and on Monday we bounced out of there. On Tuesday we bounced out of there. On Wednesday we bounced out of there. Thursday I wasn't the here, was but it, I mean it was. It was by and then and then on Friday, you know, because if you got caught shortening the, to weakness, all those days you got smoked, right? 
But finally, it worked on Friday. So we'll see but, the Friday, Monday the move. If you got through. caught shorting into weakness, it wasn't working. But if you were shorting into strength in the last week and a half, it's working fantastically. So if you're shorting into today's weakness, it was not working for the last six or seven days. Is it going to work today? Maybe you get some follow through. Maybe we're going to have a day we're going to be down a thousand down points. It can happen, but am I betting on that? Probably not, because you know more often than not, we still have this mentality that if I buy the dip, I win money. And that mentality, even though we've broken maybe some support, I don't know if it's entirely broken. Now, am I coming in and just buying? You know, no. I'm always trading, and why I've talked about is market neutral, where I'm picking up some stocks, but I might short some index against it just in case. You know, that's how I trade. I play it safe. Why do I play it safe? Because days like this, I can be green on a day like this. In all likelihood, I will be green on a day like this. I don't know. The day is just getting started. But, um, you know, where everybody else makes money when the market goes up and loses money when the market goes down, I make a, maybe a little bit less money when it's going up, but I make money when it's going down too. So, you know, my P&L typically moves up, you know, most days. And that's because I'm trading market neutral and taking advantage of market inefficiencies, you know, picking up a little bit extra, maybe on some sales on Friday morning where, you know, I'm I'm picking up some extra. If I had that hedge with an index, I mean, those are ridiculous edges there. So that's what we're going to talk about when we, and Joel, we haven't officially announced it yet, but in October, we're going to do another webinar because their first one went very well. And we're going to teach a lot of this different stuff. You know, Rob Friesen in there who specializes in this stuff is too, is basket trading. We're going to teach market neutral trading, how to protect your capital. So let's talk today, this morning, right now, right? Everything okay. everything is pretty much down. Almost, yes. everything, almost everything is down this morning, right? Sure. Um, how do you how do you approach today? What, whatever you want to describe it to, you want to say it's because of China. You want to say, oh, there's a big Fed meeting uh, on Tuesday, and Wednesday. We're waiting for that. We're waiting for the taper, interest rates, whatever, whatever you want to say. How, whatever you want to say, it's, it's how why it's here, whatever. It doesn't matter the reason, but like, how do you approach today? You've got to have your list, and you know, and everybody's list is going to be different, and everybody's portfolio is different. So you can't just take and blanket and say this is what you do. You got to look at your own positioning. Um, I've been sitting with cash, you know, we know that for a while. It's been the wrong move. I was I moved up to 40% cash three months ago because I was nervous that we were just getting overbought. It was the wrong move. We continued to move higher after that. Even though IWM has really gone nowhere since I went to cash, buy has moved higher. It was the wrong move. So now maybe I'm looking, maybe I want to deploy some of that. Maybe I want to go to 35% cash only. You know, this is from an investing standpoint. As a trading standpoint, I'm looking, you know, at different, you know, what was strong last week? What stocks wanted to go higher than the last week? What is, you know, really looking like it's holding up well? Because those stocks actually are the ones that usually continue to hold up well. So you got to look at individual charts and you find some different opportunities. I mean, Alibaba has not breached its low. So it was good news. You know, we can say how weak the stock is. It's been horribly weak. But I mean, it bounced right where it was supposed to bounce. 152.80, August 23rd. 153.67. 153.67. You're 154 this morning. I mean, you could take a flyer on that. Stop yourself out for a buck and a half here, Joel, if you say the low of the move is going to hold. I played win that way last week. I didn't hold it long through it, but you know, it did have a nice trade overnight in the thing because it didn't breach the low. 82.55. It's going to do it to your today. Uh, but you know, there's opportunities. There's different opportunities uh, in the market. You just got to have the setups. But this is a little bit of a tougher setup. It's like people are licking their chops what to buy. But again, on the first day, I might not be doing as much buying as I might be if it doesn't make a new low tomorrow. 
because right now I don't know how ugly it can get. There's an unknown. There, there's a lot of money to be made on these days if we just bounce it all the way back and we might. But if we turn into the Dow down 1,000 type of day, I'm going to lose money on that. So I'm probably going to play it safer today, even though your, your gut instinct says, oh, I got to buy here because I'm going to make a lot of money. I look at it as like, I don't know how to control the risk here. I need a washout day and then analyze after that. So I'm not just necessarily coming in and hard buying the dip today. Yeah. And also, I mean, Spencer, you're coming at this, you know, some there's so many different perspectives that you can bring in here. If right. you're, you know, if you're a day trader coming in long, right. Expecting the normal market activity. Well, you know, what was your, what was your plan on Friday? You know, what was your exit point on Friday? You know, on uh, based on Monday's information or your own information. Uh, you know, if you're coming in short, you know, it's a different story. I mean, you know, you've seen what's happened with, you know, when uh, you've tried to hold on to your shorts too long in this market. Uh, from just from a daily perspective, uh, you know, look at your prior your your prior day's lows from Friday. If you're looking for a gap fill, see if they get back up to that area. Because sometimes they do, or sometimes some of these stocks are lazy and they just open up, you know, if there's not a heavily traded stock that you're in, maybe there's some, you know, latent bids in there and you you can get some decent prices off the open. I think once the open starts, if you start second guessing your decision, so that's for a lot of people, I would just say, hey, if you're long and you've been doing this for a while, take your loss, move on, reevaluate. If he's short, you're hitting a target, cover it, your target, or bring your stop down. I mean, there's a lot of different things. If you're a young kid like you, you know, Spencer and Mitch and other I'm, investing people, I'm, I'm then so you're, you know, it, then this, I won't say today's per se a buying opportunity, but, you know, you have to put your assets in the market when you deem appropriate. Yeah. For me, I'm heavy cash. I'm staying cash until maybe 2030 or 2000. But, but again, <laughs> until 2030. But again, you know, if you're young, you can take more risks here too. But is this necessary? I'm going to tell you right now, stocks are not cheap. It's why I raised up. We've just had such a ridiculous run and we're priced for perfection across the board. Nothing is cheap. Like we had this conversation four months ago when I was moving to cash. And it was the wrong move. Dead wrong. I was dead wrong to move to cash three, four months ago. But I haven't went back in because I just keep looking at it. This is my long-term investment portfolio. Like I said, my R, my RRSP, they call them Canada, it's 40% cash. It's only job is to invest. Its only job is to long-term invest. It doesn't do anything else. It's not money I'm taking to build my house. It's not any of that. Its only job is to invest. And I don't like the values right now. I don't think there, there is some value in there. Yes, I'm long a lot of General Motors, you know, which hasn't been great. It was, it was good at one time. It's come all the way back down to where I bought it. But I just don't see anything super cheap. And that's why I'm not overly invested. You know, a lot of my RSP is indexed, but I'm just looking, I'm like, We've had such a move. I mean, we are priced just for perfection. And it's the type of environment we're in. You know, we have the, the, these NFTs. You know, you go buy Brady NFT. It's like $23,000. I mean, the money out there, there's just a lot of money just chasing any type of asset that they even deem an asset. And I'm not even sure if these pictures on the internet, the NFTs are assets. We haven't, I haven't even totally decided that myself yet. Um, I know I've been on the fence and I can kind of understand this, you know, the scarcity or, you know, or but a picture of a rock selling for a million dollars is not, pure stupidity. Not for me. Pure stupidity. So there is pure, and this is, this is my opinion. I don't think the rock, maybe somebody already sold for 2 million. I don't know. I don't follow it, but. You know, it's a hot potato. Eventually, that rock's going to drop like a rock. Dennis, Dennis, the rock is old news, man. The rock is like so two weeks ago. What is it now? 
I don't know. <laughs> just it's something else. It's something There's else. so many people just, you know, and I've said this and I've went on record saying this. It was somebody just tweeted um, about 2021 and they'll say, we'll look at 2021 and see what a great opportunity this was to invest in 2041, 20 years from now. I think that person is wrong. I think everything is very overvalued right now. And I honestly think we could go into a three or four or five year market period where we need to let the companies catch up to the valuations. Oh. Apple's against itself. When has Apple been this expensive? Talking against my book, I own Apple. But I mean, it's, it's just not that much that's cheap. Spencer's laughing. He says the market only goes up. I, I, it's, not what I'm, it's not what I'm thinking. What are you but thinking? I, I, I'm thinking... Uh, it's hard to explain what I'm thinking. I, I, I'm thinking that uh, everything you're saying, it makes sense logically, but we've, it's been wrong up to this point. Oh, it, yeah. Yeah. So, it has. So. It has. I mean, th- there's no doubt. Like I said, I moved to I, – I'd already admitted I was wrong. Four months ago, I went to cash. Stupid. Stupid. Yeah. Dumb move. You know what? The market went up after that. But I'm still looking at it and saying, am I wrong or am I just early? So, I mean, I'm not coming in here and just loading up and going on margin because stocks aren't cheap. But am I buying the dip today on certain stocks? Yeah, but I'll be selling short other stocks against it to hedge myself, too. So, I, I like General Motors. I'm on the record saying, I think GM is cheap. But you know what? Cheap stocks have gotten okay, cheaper, cheaper in this environment. It the hasn't other, paid off. The other thing I'm thinking I like Pfizer here. Fi- Pfizer's a stock, and we got news, and let's segue to that. Yeah, There's good up. news from that. It's like, off ooh, we're still falling, It's man. off almost Holy 20%. Man, Pfizer's off almost 20% from the highs now. I'm long Pfizer. I might add to it up here. My cost base on Pfizer is $13. I hate bring, adding because then you bring up your cost bases so much. But, I mean, down in the low 40s, I Pfizer's a good buy. So there's some opportunities here where some stocks are cheap. But if you're just coming in any random stock, Kathy Wood style, and saying growth is there, I mean, it's been a tougher environment. I mean, ARKK's highs back in February were $152 or 159 it's 117. This 2021 has been terrible for high growth investors. You know, we've had moments where it's looked okay, but it hasn't been good. So does the market turn back to high growth? Maybe, but those valuations are crazy on those stocks. Okay. On the Pfizer, there was actually two headlines. If you missed it from Friday, an FDA panel voted pretty decisively against approving a booster sh- approving the Pfizer BioNTech booster shot, uh, except for people with high that are a high risk so anybody who's at a high risk for covid they are fda said yeah you can get it you should get a booster but no one else should get a booster right now that was on friday this morning we have new data from pfizer biontech uh on their study with children they said children ages 5 to 11 their vaccine was safe and effective uh they also said that we could get data for children younger than five before the end of the year that they were weren't totally committal on that front, but they said maybe by as soon as the end of the year. Uh, regardless, for now, children ages 5 to 11, Pfizer, BioNTech say their phase 2, 3 study showed that their vaccine was safe in, in children ages 5 to 11. So what's next now is um, inev- inevitable FDA approval of the vaccine for kids 5 to 11, and then when we get the data for kids younger than 5, we'll go from there. But that's the news on Pfizer this morning. And that's good news for the overall market. Do we see more of a reopening trade come back from that? Potentially. The reopening stocks have had the shit kicked out of them. I'm going to swear. They have. This has been an ugly trade for a long time. We know the casinos and the airlines have gotten ugly. 
Um, there has been some pockets of strength. Disney has been a pocket of strength because it seems like, you know, heads it wins, tails it wins because they got the Disney Plus. But, um, you know, does reopening trade start to, you know, catch on from the Pfizer? Does it, do we have a sneaky reopening buy here this morning? I'd lean to those stocks with that news because that news is just getting thrown out, baby, with the bathwater here this morning. But it's good news, you know, because that efficiency, that, that gets people like me that maybe you're staying home still and being a little bit more cautious because I have unvaccinated children. Those kids get vaccinated. I'm like, I can start to be a little bit, you know, do a little bit more of my normal stuff because now my kids are a little bit safer. So there is that mentality out there. I know there's people anti-vax don't believe any of that. That's fine. They're going to have their opinions. I'm of the opinion that because I'm vaccinated, I'm somewhat safer and because my kids are not vaccinated that then I don't want to risk them. So I, I am more conservative in what I do. I would not eat inside a restaurant right now. I would not do it. That's me. I would not do it because I don't want to risk me bringing home the virus, even though I did get sick and giving it to my kids. So, but you know what? If they get vaccinated, I might start eating in restaurants again because they got a little bit of protection. So that can help. So that's the mentality I'm trying to give you, you know, and thinking that we could have a sneaky reopening trade show up here again, because those stocks, actually, some of them are cheap. How's that positive? Uh, boy, oh boy. Pre-market low, 42.92. That was about 6.15. Got a little pop off here. A lot of red candles on the daily. Uh, we got a monthly level to contend with today, and it looks like we're uh, we're at there right now. So I would love to see this show some support for at least for a day or two in this 43 and a quarter area. That was a low for last month. Uh, this month so far, 43.31. We are trading below that. I'd like to see it for me a little bit cheaper. I am long. I think my cost base is about just a little bit late. I think it's right around here and didn't extinguish it on that crazy rally because it's a longer term hold. Um, 42 and a half to 43 looks like more of like in the next area. You had three lows in the 42 and a half area. So if you want to lean on that for a swing trade, but just uh, there's a lot of pressure on this. I at least like to see like a low, a consolidation, then one or two up days in a row. It's just so many red bars here. So first things first, pre-market low is at uh, 42.92. And uh, for me, the extra major supports at the 42.60 area. Do you know the absolute last thing any Chinese stock needs right now? I'll tell you. It's literally any other bad headline. Literally anything else. And that what is what, that's what Lee Auto is getting this morning. It's got this Lee is down. It's got nothing really to do. Well, all China is down. And Lee is just pouring a little bit of gas on the fire this morning because they said, oh, yeah, we're having some um, – supply chain problems and and some chip problems so we're going to lower our q3 delivery outlook by two to five percent um and so literally any other bad headline is like pouring grease on the gasoline on this fire right now because uh china's got enough going on as it is right they lower it from 10 to 8 you you know you're not far off no you are far off They, (laughs) they lower their guidance uh, originally, they were supposed to deliver between twenty five and twenty six thousand cars this quarter. They said we, we're, we're going to deliver somewhere in the twenty four thousand uh, range. There's such <laughs> a bubble in all how these EV guys, stocks. How do you invest in that? <laughs> I'm <laughs> the Fisker, and I've, I've been punished for having it. It probably is a bad call. I like it because they have the Magna deal, and I do believe there's going to be some Fiskers out there. But all these EV plays are garbage. A lot of them are just junk. Like that's my opinion. 
Obviously, you know, some are going to work out, but I'm going to tell you like 90% of these. I'm not saying Liotto is the one. I don't know. Liotto's maybe they're making cars, so it's good. But is this like, you know, when you're talking about 25,000 cars, how many does GM make in a quarter? Uh, is Ford making a they, they they mistakenly make 20, like they make 25,000 cars. They don't even know, but they don't even count it. It's like a, it's like, it's like yeah, a, it's a, it's a rounding, error. it's like a rounding error for them. 25, it's a rounding error. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I'm long GM. I'm long Ford. Um, other than that, I just, and Fisker, which is probably, you know, my speculative EV play speculative for sure. Fisker could go to zero. Don't kid yourself. It could, I don't think it is. Well, I'm long it. I think it's going to be one that's going to be one of the, of the, of the EV stocks, but there's so many, man. I mean, you know, we've know we know what rides done, but there is just there. What is there? Like fifty of these companies there's, out yeah, there? There's too many. There's got to be close to fifty at this point. There's not going to be fifty that are all, and the, the pie is not that big. So you got everybody trying to eat this pie, but there's just not enough pie for everyone. So there'd be five for pie for maybe you know we know GM and Ford and Tesla are going to be eating the pie, but then it's a matter of how much of these speculative play is going to get of the remaining pie. And which ones, which companies are it's going to be? It's kind of a crapshoot, really. So it'll be interesting I to know. see. I'm not buying any of these other companies, though. Um, these small ones, just because I can't figure out, you know, how to value them. Yeah, yeah, but and at the same time, this is like the one area of China that's like held up relatively yeah, okay. Neil, yeah, Neil's done okay. Yeah, it's, it's held up okay. okay. I mean, I mean, it's 35 from 55, but it's held up okay. No. I mean, it was seven bucks back a year and a half ago. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, so yeah, China twenty sevens. If you feel like you really have to take it, you know, try and buy the dip on on this one. They're pair of lows at twenty seven. Maybe hold up today. Uh, the recent low of the move has been under that uh, at uh, twenty six twenty two. But uh, that's what you look at if you're if you're hoping for a bounce on this thing. <laughs> 28, get your orders out there near 28.40, 28.50. The bottom of yesterday's range was uh, 28.59. Spoos are just, yeah, they're just offered. That's all there is, folks. Uh, Where's the support? Give us a level here. Let's take it back. There. Uh, Where's the I next already support? had that. All right. I already <laughs> we, had took out, we took out once. the low on the 18th. Where is the next major support? For, I, have a, I have a daily low at 43.39.75. That's a daily low. That's what I had to adjust after they took out my sixty-two seventy-five low. I don't have anything lower than forty-three. They're going to go off the board with your sheets here. If you're that was August nineteenth, and I already had to readjust one, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to readjust again. And spy, we're significantly below that. That's a beautiful thing that you don't have to adjust your futures for your spy. Four thirty-three sixty-six. It's three points below that low. Yep. If I'm just looking at the spy, and I don't look at the futures at all because the spy is so much easier to read. It's straight down this morning. Yeah, you think 43, so you think 430, I think we're going to bounce. I think when the Dow gets down 1,000 points, if it gets down 1,000 points, there's always a natural bounce there. We've seen this last year during the COVID crisis. It wants to bounce when you get down 1,000. Like, everyone's down 1,000 people, sell! <laughs> and, that's, and then it gets in a little really pop. Because everybody's Mortimer. always wrong. Yeah, well, that's it. So we're down 700 of the Dow. If I was buying the dip today, I think I'd wait till we're down 1,000. I think we could hit down 1,000 today. And then I think we could bounce a little bit. Well, so maybe there's a little we're bounce. We're going to bounce at some point. I mean, you just don't but, know if it's. Yeah, it, we're so overbought. I mean, still, like, we can say that, but stocks are just not cheap. If we were in this environment where everything's dirt cheap, and like I said, I think GM and Ford are cheap. That's why if I was buying stocks and didn't own GM and Ford, I already own them. I'd probably buy those today. 
you know, here's GM been holding up very well last week. Now down two bucks in the pre-market here. I think it's an opportunity. I don't think I mean, I don't think this chip shortage is a long-term issue either. I mean, they've punished a lot of these stocks because okay, well, they're missing guidance because they don't have the chips. But eventually, they're going to figure that out too. Demand is not a problem here. I don't think demand is a problem for the automakers. Uh, quick PSA, courtesy of Jay Woods, who will be on our show later this week. He's the he's a nice nice floor director. If anyone's forgotten, and I'm I'm just going to throw it out there. Limit down is 7%. So we are a ways away from that. We are no, nowhere close. We're not even close. Nowhere to close. Not at, we're not in this. We're not back in the COVID. I don't no. think we're going down two, 3,000 no. points here. No. And I there's the, the mentality here, like I said, another 300 Dow points down from here, I'll probably try to nibble in this. I stock. don't think Have your do. list. I don't, I don't Have the you. stocks there, you want. Look. But if you're buying stocks that are trading 25 times sales, I mean, those stocks can get hit a lot more. I, I would just say there is some portion percentage of the dialogue today on, on online on Twitter that it's a little bit like tongue in cheek, and I'm a little bit tongue in cheek today because it's like, and as Joel said this the other week, I think it was like it's been like the easiest year, like arguably like ever. I mean, not with in terms of the overall market, not in terms of like growth stocks, but like the S and P, like it's in, be, in the term of spy, right? Not even IWM, right? In sure, spy because like, IWM's had some ten percent correction. We, we we just had two straight down weeks for the third time all year, which is like really insane that that's a, that that's even a thing, right? So it never should be that easy. So there is there is a. So not all like the 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 freak out is like genuine because there's everyone knows that we're due for a correction. And we've been saying that for a while. So um, that's just keep that in mind real fast. I wanted to mention uh, before we bring Tim Quast on um, and we talk about this all the time. But Tim has uh, warned us about a market, a pending market correction here yeah. for a month at least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. He has. We'll ask him about that. I, but before we get to him, I just want to mention smile direct love. Please don't chase this today, everyone. Okay. This thing got to eight, 24 this morning we're already down more than a buck uh it is the most mentioned stock on wall street bets today um and i think also on friday as well so just sdc just it's one of the few stocks in the green this morning but just please 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 be careful uh it's already it's already down a dollar from from the high you do what you want i mean this is all (laughs) just you know trading and we know wall street bets can drive stocks but like i was saying last week it seems like when you look at these stocks the really high mentioned stock you look at it three months later yeah they seem to be maybe selective perception on my part but they always seem to go down afterwards yeah like they seem to you know the, the buzz starts to subside after a few days and they start to leak what was the one we were talking about last week you know like or two weeks ago what was it our our sprt Oh, or SRP. It's not even around anymore. No, SPRT isn't even stocking. What the hell did it turn to? Uh, G- it, well, what's <laughs> we the- already <laughs> talked about. Yeah. It's not, it's okay. out. Anyways, I went to like from two to like sixty. G Gree G R E. Oh yeah, I bet G-R-E. you they're glad they did that acquisition. What's yeah, uh, IronNet too? They're right. IronNet. What'd that one do? Yeah, look at IronNet here. Yeah. So it went from ten up to forty-seven. That's a quick correction down twenty-eight. That's why I don't trade this stuff. I don't like losing forty percent of my money in three hours. Right. I, I mean, I'm just not my style. So yeah. I'm about protecting capital. I don't know how to do it. Would I put, you know, can you speculate on some of the stuff like that? But am I going all in on margin on IronNet or Safe Smile Direct? No. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Tim Quas, founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge. And Tim, uh, to your credit, you have been. Um, 
you you've been doing right. what you're not supposed to do. You've right. been right. I've been, I've been right. <laughs> you've been yes. right. Yeah, you've been saying <laughs> here at the, uh, that the market is is going to go down for I'm not quite sure how not that long, but long enough, right? Long well, enough. and I and I said and I said that the the worst day of September would be September 20. This is the the day that would be the the linchpin for the markets would be September 20, uh, and there's a reason, and we could talk about that. <clears throat> uh, but uh, I appreciate you you pointing that out. I I wrote uh, yesterday to uh, the the edge users <clears throat> the notes out today, but I said. If today is a doozy, then then we have more trouble ahead. This will be uh, the fulcrum of what happens to the market. So now everybody will cast about for a reason. I would remind everyone, however, you know, as we look at the the steep drop in the in the futures of what uh, uh, Marcus Tullius Cicero said. Uh, oh, he said, you know, if you if you got if you have a garden, I was just thinking that. I was thinking this always comes to mind, right? If you, if you have a library in the garden, you have everything you need. So there you go. You okay. know, just kind of puts things in perspective. Uh, if the market's way off. <laughs> All right, Tim. What is what is the reason in your view? Okay, so let's make sure that that everybody understands that we consider, you know, that we all read and we, you know, we listen to the various perspectives on what might cause this. And of course, the, the thing everybody has fixated on is this. Uh, the, the financial troubles of Evergrande real estate out of China because of its, you know, it, its indebtedness. It's over $300 billion in debt. Uh, but if you could compare that to the United States, <laughs> so, right? There, why not pick that? There was a big Fed meeting uh, coming up on the, on the 22nd on Wednesday. Could be that. So everybody will cast about for reasons. Uh, and and we, let's first talk about the cause, uh, the, then we can talk about what reasons contribute to that. The reason today is a difficult day is because today new options trade. So if, the, if money doesn't show up at the same level to recommit to three particular things, hedges, if you're trading global macro like Bridgewater or what have you, the big hedge funds, uh, number two, if you're uh, passive money or indexes and you don't use the same level of substitutes that you did before, uh, that's going to be an issue. Number three, if you trade options and futures and you just decide, eh, you know, I'm just going to not do as much as I did. All three of those things contribute to the money showing up on uh, or uh, a, a, an array, a buffet of derivatives laid out on the 20th and people don't show up for it. So then everything goes on sale. It's not my, in some ways, it's not more complicated than that. But you need to understand that almost 20 percent of market volume <clears throat> rests on derivatives. It's very much like let's use an analogy so that you can understand this traders. So as real estate prices keep going up and people are willing to pay more and more for houses, <clears throat> then more houses come on the market at higher and higher prices. And then there's a point, a nexus where that stops. And by the way, it's stopping all over the country here in, in Steamboat Springs. We're finally seeing price cuts. We're seeing it in Denver, uh, seeing it in Texas, all the there. It's happening. And so what happens is the thing that you valued a month ago at, at, at this level, you now value it at this level minus 10. 
Well, the same thing happens to the equity market with derivatives. Derivatives are a right, but not an obligation to do something in the future. Derivatives are implied supply and demand. So if nobody shows up to consume that supply, then that supply is marked to zero and it comes out of market cap. And that's why these periods around derivatives expirations are so important. It's why I like to take my money out of the market and walk around to the other side, which I've been encouraging, which I did myself. That's what I do. I want to avoid these periods because the prudent foresee evil and hide themselves. Now, why, why is there less demand for derivatives? That's the big question. Well, pick a thing. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, wait. wait. It's only the first day, though. Well, that's what's crucial. So if you're in the business of moving large quantities of wholesale supply relative to uh, options and futures, and there are banks that do that, then this is a very important day for you. This is the day when you furnish to the market the thing that you expect it to consume at a, a, a roughly equivalent rate to what it did back in June. And I looked at all the associated data. So I looked at the composition of the market in June when the options expired the last time and where they are now. And you would arrive at the conclusion, if you're in that business, that we're going to have roughly the same amount of demand. Was there any indication in the data that we might not? Well, yes, there was. <laughs> there was active selling last week, interestingly. Active money was a seller. And during option or during index rebalances, we had good volume. Volume for the three days in uh, the the three days of expiration. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Friday was the rebalance in SPY, which is a great proxy, was about 270 million shares. Go back and look at it in June, same time period, almost identical. So if you were if you were uh, projecting what the demand might be, you would arrive at the conclusion that it could be very similar. There, there are only two big differences. Number one, short volume is significantly higher this time. So short volume is supply. Short, so vo su short volume in the overall market? Yes. Okay. Short volume is over 46% of the S&P 500 right now. That is almost half of all trading volume is coming from borrowed stock. So if you have a lot of supply, and then the other big difference is there, what we call internally, we say there are no purple bars. Purple bars for us are evidence of counterparties who are going to consume a significant part of that supply of derivatives. Well, the, instead, we saw active selling. So if you have active selling, you don't have the derivative traders showing up, and you have higher supply, what might the market do? It could go down. So now, <laughs> how would we know that that might happen? Well, I'll show you how we think about this. And it, you don't have to know all that stuff, traders, uh, because we do. We, we're going to know that stuff. You know, our job is to make sure that you know those things. And so we'll tell you if this is what the data indicates. So I've gone to Market Structure Edge. This is 2.0, by the way. We've now beta launched uh, version 2.0 of, of Edge. So I'm going to hit broad market sentiment and just look at this. This is this by itself should tell us what the trouble is. So here is sentiment and it peaked right here. So that, that peak is the 7th of September. That's the point. At that point, heading into when the market is down into options expirations, it may be up the other side, but we're not out of it until we get to Wednesday. So and why Wednesday? 
because there are options that expire. So all the books have to be accounted for there. The debits and credits associated with the derivatives trading. And people don't talk about it enough. That CNBC was actually talking about it this past week. Uh, but again, I'll say it's almost 20% of market cap. Okay, and then you have new options trading today. Parties will square the books on those tomorrow. And if opportunists are in the market, the market will go up 600 points tomorrow. I'm not saying it will, but th that's where the, the, that will get, the ledger will get squared. And then Wednesday, we will return to reality and we'll have an idea of where the market actually is. So if this line bottoms by Wednesday, I'd say, okay, we're good. If it's still falling and broad market supply is rising, then we have more trouble. And you remember, this is what I said a week ago. I said, if we have a bad day Monday, then the market could take a big leg further down. We'll see. But okay, <clears throat> but also, so I know this isn't really your bag, but but yeah. Wednesday is is when we're going to get the, the latest Fed meeting. Is uh, they're going to you know announce whatever they talked about the dot plot whatever, right? Couldn't right. that sh shouldn't couldn't that also throw a wrench in you know the data you're looking at because it it may yeah. change expectations. It sure could. So. It absolutely could. And I and there is a factor that we spend a lot of time looking at. And it's because this factor, the DXY, uh, it is the single most highly correlated input to market performance. We track that. So we do all, you know, you put there are all kinds of inputs. It's the reason we come back to, to uh, supply and demand in the market. We've determined that is the biggest. The next thing below that is the dollar. <clears throat> the relative strength of the dollar plays a, an enormous role in how the market behaves. So if we look at the, sorry, we're, uh, thank you, Market Watch, for this data. So if you, if you look at the dollar, it's trading at about 93.5 now, which is getting very close to a year-to-date high. And so a strong dollar tends to depress the prices of risk assets because a dollar, the dollar denominates risk assets, smaller denominator, larger price, larger denominator, smaller price. So as this trends up, uh, then the risk to everything from stocks to real estate increases and oil. Energy has performed very well, but energy was a reflection of what happened between options expirations in August and present. The dollar declined. Well, what will happen? Energy stocks were the best performing asset class in the or sector in among equities. But now that trend has reversed, and that input will be fed into derivatives. And look at what's the worst performers today: Apache, uh, Occidental. All these these things have given up all of their gains of the month, at least now pre-market. And there's a, there's a cause. So, and, and to your point, Spencer, I think you make a very good point, an astute one. And you should maybe you should listen to Spencer, everybody, and wait to see what the Fed does. I think the Fed is going to look at this and be be very dovish because they don't want these things to fall apart. But you never know. You never know. So it's a good reason. Okay. So the takeaway here is Tim mm -hmm. is going to be watching uh, demand for derivatives today, tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, and also keeping an eye on whatever the Fed says or doesn't say with regards to a timeline as far as when they could potentially taper and, and all that good stuff because we know right. it's not, we know what's on their minds. 
but we still don't know when it's going to start. Remember, so. though, that the Fed is market dependent and not data dependent. And if the market continues to go down, they will do their best to defend <clears> this <throat> market. And that tapering talk will quiet in a hurry. Yeah. So you have to sometimes the market fixes the whole Fed's issue. And the Fed is stuck and really stuck in a hard place here because they know deep down that inflation seems to be a little more sticky in a lot of areas than they'd like it to be but they can't come out and flat out say we've got an inflation issue because then they have no excuse they need to raise rates and they know if they raise rates the house of cards starts tumbling tumbling down so it's difficult as a fed officially you're trying to just to manage it manage the expectations of you know yeah maybe we're going to raise rates here but we know if we really start to really jack them up that every the whole world's built on debt and everything comes tumbling down. So, I mean, how, how when you look at this, Tim, and you look at the market yep. selling off and maybe we're worried about interest rates going higher, isn't the Fed put here to a certain extent, for lack of a better <laughs> word, kind of like, you know, a, a possibility that <clears throat> this market just, you know, eventually finds a bottom just because they know the market participants know the Fed's got the markets back? Well, it's uh, we'll find out. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the, true. The, that's the, a tough question to throw it, at you. It, it, well, it's I, I I love these pithy little a- aphorisms, but again, it reminds me of, of I've used this before. Uh, Herb Stein's law. So it's called Stein's law. That's what it's known uh, as in economics. And so Herb Stein, for those of you who are younger, is the father of Ben Stein, well-known economist and and uh, writer. And so he famously he, he famously said. If something cannot last forever, have you have I got you guys? Something cannot last forever, it will stop. And so, to your point, Dennis, the 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 Fed is in a very difficult position because while it's supposed to be independent, uh, it is it is heavily uh, indebted to uh, supporting the economic policies of whoever is in charge at the time, and and nobody wants. Uh, markets falling apart. There's just no question about that. From a trading standpoint, traders, what do you do with that? Well, it, and this is this will be a little self-serving, but it's I've, I'm telling you from having done this for 20 years now and use this data in front of us for a dozen. These these they're not perfect, but they do reflect well all of the inputs. Instead of having to wonder, well, what are the hedge funds doing? What are the macro um, economists thinking? Uh, what about monetary policy? Uh, what about things in China? Uh, how about economic growth? What about the supply of oil? All of these things are inputs that all manifest in this little green line called sentiment. It's measuring all of those. And so this here, look at this. This has been an issue, and I've talked about this before. This issue started in April. The, in April, we ceased to have a momentum-style stock market. It doesn't mean that the consequence arrives right away. So whatever the Fed does today will have a consequence in the future. What the Fed has already done is playing out now in the equity market. And so when the policies began to slow, the input of money into the market in excess fashion began to slow. And we can look at the Fed balance sheet every every week. I do. And uh, while it continues <laughs> to rise, the rate is slowing, right? The rate's slowing. Well, this started back here. So while the market has continued to rise, this is inertia, the continuation of something that has been set in motion. But inertia will slow at some point. And, and Joel, these things already telling us, right? 
It's already Joel, telling us. Joel, yeah, Tim, I just uh, I just wanted to <laughs> hop in here with one thing. I mean, we're you know we're talking about the open here, and we're talking about you know maybe what the Fed does, but you know we know institutional money is is what moves these markets, right? Correct. And uh, don't you? I mean, just I, I got a monthly chart up here of the spy, right? Okay. And yep. That, you know, the move that we've had, you know, discounting even what, you know, the March low, maybe that was a, you know, an artificial low, but even in the activity that we've had in, in 2021, you're coming up to an end of a quarter here. Don't you think with everything that's going on with the, whatever the macro, whatever the earnings, whatever's going on with COVID that I think that big, you know, big money is going to be looking much more to sell the rip in this kind in this market or, or sell than they are just because we're always constantly programmed by the dip, by the dip. We're going back to new all time highs. I mean, yep. why can't the, uh, you know, the spider go down to 400 or 350 or 300. I mean, yep. we've had all these things. Don't you think that, uh, and I don't know how you gauge this, but mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think the institutional money, I mean, you're going to have the overshoots on the downside, everything, but I think now you're far away from like the old time high. Now you're coming up to the end of the quarter. I, I think, I think you have to readjust your thinking. So we got the end of the quarter Friday's a trading day and I believe we get it to the end of next month. But you know, what do you use for an indication that, Hey, we're just not buying the dip anymore. And we're just, we're just selling the rips or if we have to sell in the weakness, we sell in the weakness. That's a good question. So this, I'll, I'll dovetail the two. It's a very good question, Joel. And it's the great, it's the great existential question for all of us <laughs> with exposure to the equity market. I'll note that <clears throat> our prognostications about the effect of what we call risk management derivatives plays out. So now let me add another piece to this. What, what you're describing is true for about 9% of trading volume. There are, there are investors who are doing those kinds of things, but they are not the predominant money in the market. There is an Achilles heel to the predominant money in the market. The single largest form of institutional asset management is large cap blend. That is, the, those are stocks in the Russell 1000 that are bro both can be both growth and value, which, by the way, is Apple. It's Facebook. <laughs> Those are blend. They could be growth stocks. They could be provide the support for growth ETFs. They can be value stocks and support, provide support for value ETFs. But that is fully one third of all assets under management. And that money wants to track a benchmark. It wants to be the SPY, let's say. So here's the trouble. As SPY deteriorates, that money has no choice but to adjust to it. And that, that is what creates snowballing effects. It's not that money doesn't buy dips. The, the money that buys dips is merely excess capital and stock pickers like Ron Barron. Ron Barron is going to, you know, the Barron funds, he's a classic value investor. All the value investors will do what you describe, but they're overwhelmed today by a three to one in terms of volume in the markets by money tracking a benchmark. If the benchmark deteriorates, so must the money associated with it. If energy is 3% of, of an index and it loses a half a percent of value, half a percent comes out of the market. If the fangs are 25%, I'm adding pluses in there, 
and the fangs drop 5%, half of the 5% of the money comes out. That's how you get a snowballing effect. And right? this, this is the double-edged sword of index funds. But that's exactly. The, that's the way things go. Tim Quast, everyone, you can learn more about his site, marketstructureedge.com. You can see his notes and his research and his data there. Tim, always a pleasure to talk to you again see you guys. Monday. Uh, it is 8.56. we got four minutes left before I'm going to talk IPOs with Matt Hammond, and it was a big week for IPOs. So did we miss anything, Joel? Dennis, chat. What else haven't we gotten to today? Because, I mean. Well, we, let's do three minutes ticker time. Give us yeah, some tickers here. Let's do ticker time. So drop those tickers in. I saw and- Square. Okay. I we haven't talked Square on the show for probably a few weeks here. Okay. It's pulling back. People are looking at the natural dip and looking for the growth stocks. You know, down ten bucks, four percent, down four percent. I would say as long as it holds the low of the move, which is two thirty-seven ninety-one, there was a washout low with an ugly candle back on the thirteenth. That's the level that I think Square needs to hold. Before that, Joel might jump into this 245 area, which has some nice support. So there's a couple levels there too. So if you're so inclined to buy the dip and you need to buy the dip in something, there is you know, the opportunity that the trend is still intact here. What I will warn you is that Square is a very expensive stock. And if we decide to go into a corrective environment where the market starts to lose 10%, um, Square will get hit really, really hard. So am I buying this dip on today on Square? No, as a trade, um, if I was doing it, I'm, it'd be a quick one. And I'd probably use the 245.07 actually low from the 15th to stop myself out. If I was buying it like right now at 245.70, risking maybe 80 cents, yeah, but that's, it's a that's, tough one. And yeah. then, you know, you can always look at the imbalance too, which is 43,000 to sell showing an opening indication of 244.75. So it's looking a little weaker from where it's trading right now. Uh, Dennis, you, you, I mean, I'll give you the, uh, um, you know, you could give the support and potential buy areas. I'd say I'm just, I'm finding someone that's looking at this. I don't know, on a, a day trade or longer term. I mean, in the 250 handle, you know, maybe not today or tomorrow, but two, I'd call it 250 to 252, 38, 52, 38 was low on Friday. That's major resistance. So right, you'd rather be, be a seller at, or the yeah, rip in this. I'd be a seller a on back. any kind of rip here, not selling in the whole. Also, look at this monthly chart. I mean, you took out last month's low, right? I mean, yeah. are you really are you yeah. really stepping in here? You've taken out last month's low by nine bucks, and now and looks like uh, you know maybe you're going for more. So, really, the only good number I see there is. Well, uh, you look at that bottom right chart too, Joel. You make a good point. I mean, we we're fifty bucks back during COVID, and yes, Square is operating, but you know they're talking about stocks up four hundred percent in just over a year. So, year 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 and three months. I mean, there's some people sitting on some huge gains in this thing. Is it logical that all stocks go up 400% a year? Is it going up another 400% next year? Probably not as easy. So is there profit taking? Is there potential for this to see 200 again? It could happen. Again, remember, Square is also a crypto play to a certain extent, very small portion of it, but it gets a little bit hit harder here because crypto is down today. Uh, let's do one more quick. Nike, our friend asked about Nike. They report earnings on Thursday. This chart is very interesting. I mean, they want someone just wants out ahead of their report here. I mean, that's that's all there is. Trading on the lows of the pre-market session. I don't know parallels. If you're looking for, wow, we're already below that. There, well, there were parallels at the fifty-three sixty area, potential support, uh, bottom of the range from yesterday or Friday. You could very see resistance one fifty-six. All right, it is one more, one more. 
one more, one more. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, let's do bah, 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 something that's not. Uh, Just grab any. Uh, 3M. 3M. Let's find something different. Wow, that stocks has been hit so hard. I mean, this is a, this is also margins getting squeezed because of inflation. So we know that that's you know, an issue for a lot of companies here right now. Inflation's an issue for 3M as well. Low of the move, 179.41, which was Friday. We're taking that out. When stocks are making new lows, I always say you got to go. I don't like it because it's making new lows. You got a chance at a gap fill there. Look at that resistance at, you know, 79.41. If it gets anywhere near unchanged, that would be a gift. But um, on the monthlies here, since you've taken out last month's low by a wide margin, I'd say if you're looking to buy the dip in this one, maybe wait for the 174 area. Uh, that was your February and March lows. So we'll hop over to pre-market prep and cover all these symbols that we missed. And uh, Spencer, I'll check in with you later on. Checking with you later, Joel. Same to you, Dennis. Guys, once again, let us know what you thought of the new uh, graphics today. We, we are, we're not very good at sticking to a, a plan on this show. Uh, every day I, I come to the show with a plan and every day Joel and Dennis like take my plan and they just toss it out the window. Uh, but we stuck to it today. So, uh, give us credit for that. Uh, and, and let us know what you think. Um, share your thoughts in the chat. Shoot us an email. Shows at pensacola.com. Let's bring on Matt Hammond guys. It is, it was a wild week in IPO land. We had a very, very busy slate. We do have some more IPOs coming this week. A lot to talk about. So let's get Matt on from IPO Warriors. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Matt Hatman, good morning, sir. Uh, how was your week? I bet it was eventful. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you couldn't really ask for more. We'd had a long downtime in the IPO world, and then it just came back with a vengeance. I mean, I didn't even really have time to check much else in my portfolio and was, you know, Kind of shocked to come back to the kind of rest of the world and see oh the market's down it's like what no not in the ipo world and we had nothing but wins it was almost like everything you played you were making money and it's the point where i really i think going into this week where we have another full slate i think we have you know 12 or 13 ipos this week i need to kind of focus on just a few so i don't miss some of the the ones that i really like locked in but we can go through a little bit of last week real quick and yeah. Um, yeah. And, then, and then jump into next week because uh, there was a lot to learn from last week. Um, the first thing I wanted to say was, uh, you know, I did come up with, some, you know, I'm, I'm always improving my rules and uh, really distilling things into things that I can really take action. And I've simplified things into two rules that we keep talking about now in the trading group. Uh, if you come over to our Reddit thread at IPO Warriors, we're live trading these Every day there's IPOs, and one of the things that constantly comes out is people saying, "Oh, I wish I'd taken, pro you know, I wish I'd stayed in longer." You know, but then they do that, and then they, you know, they miss out on when opportunities. These things drop just as fast as they go up. So one of my first rules is take profits without regrets. And the reason I say without regrets is because it really is a bad habit to get into to get out with the win and then say, "Oh, I should have stayed in longer," because then you start pushing yourself further and further and further into these trades. And then when they drop, they drop really hard. I mean, these things come back. You look at 
uh, Dutch Brothers from last week, which we're not going to look at what happened after, but it made it to a high of 52 and then dropped all the way down to 43. And now you, you, you can say, oh, but I sold out at 44 on the way up. It's like, it doesn't matter. You took huge profits. You took a 10 point win, you know, in one day uh, and, and you missed out on, on a little bit more. So what? Take profits without regrets. And it's a very strong what's discipline. The, what's the saying? Uh, comparison is, is the thief of joy. If you can't be happy buying a stock, you know, getting a 10% winner because it also because it because you missed the top by 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 twenty dollars or whatever. If, if you can't be happy about that, then you're never going to be happy. Right? And you're going to hold exactly. And uh, it, it goes along with uh, bulls make money, bears make money, and pigs get slaughtered. Right. You know, the greedier you are, you're going to lose. I mean, my biggest loss should have been a win, and that was um, Bumble. And I just revenge traded it and uh, took what should have been a five thousand dollar win and turned it into a ten thousand dollar loss. So. Take your profits. Don't regret it. You know, learn to read, you know, what you could have maybe spotted or identified in the way that the stock was moving or what kind of strategies, maybe a little bit more room with your stop loss and maybe see where the level two orders are and see that kind of high bid pulling the stock further up. Maybe try to see where you can take some extra profits on the next one, but don't push yourself into just being greedy and saying, oh, well, I sold out too early last time. So that's the only reason I'm not going to you know, sell for a profit on you know, on the next one. All right. So the second, quickly, the second rule is don't chase. Once you've missed the trade, do not chase it because you're pretty, coming in with a higher price point. And that's another you know, entry to get into where you're going to take uh, put yourself in a position to lose. Okay, I just want to fly through some of the last ones. I don't want to spend more than five minutes on this. Uh, that'll give us time to work on the next one. Uh, Dice Therapeutics, I don't play biotechs usually. And this is a great example of why. Even though it opened at 30, peaked at around 40 on each of the, you know, the opening day, the second day, and the third day. If you look at the price movement here, this is almost impossible to play. Um, if you set any kind of stop loss to protect your downside once you're up, uh, you're going to get stopped out. The volume, the spread, everything was so hard on this one that I look at this and go, yeah, win opportunity, sure, I missed it, but I'm okay with missing this one. This would have been very hard to play, and you'll see why compared to the next one. Uh, this is one that I called out as I really like this one. It was Proceps Biorobotics, uh, low float cert biorobotic surgery. Um, but given this was... You know, the first IPO we had last week was Sports Radar. It didn't do all that well. Uh, then we had TYRN, I think it was called. Uh, it also bombed. And we just had, you know, we hadn't had a strong IPO debut for a long time. So I said, okay, if this goes up on the debut, I'm going to set a stop loss on uh, my debut point. And that ended up stopping me out early, but I didn't lose any money. And I'm okay with that. Even though I had a high conviction in this, and I missed out on the opportunity to win here. I took my money back into my account. There were a lot of other IPOs that day, and I was able to put my money into some, you know, into some plays that were kind of safer plays. And um, when there's a lot of IPOs, you want to focus. You know, don't be afraid of protecting the downside uh, where you're not losing money. I don't like to take stop losses where I would lose money, but once I'm up in a position, I will lock in a win or a non-loss to avoid getting in a position where I'm stuck, especially when I want to use that money for plays that are kind of you know easier to play. The ones that go straight up off the debut are far easier to stay in than something that's bouncing around. Uh, we also hadn't seen how strong the market was during this day. And 
as the day kind of progressed, my confidence in the IPO plays uh, went up. Uh, definitive healthcare, this was a huge winner. I passed on this one simply because I didn't quite understand it. And it was the first IPO we really saw uh, of this session, of this kind of slate of IPOs that went straight up and it started to build my confidence. If you got in on the debut, it was 3715. I think the IPO price on this was 2425. So it debuted at a significant premium. And since we hadn't seen anything really blow up yet, I had passed on this one, but it started by watching this one. It gave me the confidence to play, you know, the next ones. And this one, you had outs here. If you want to play the initial spike, maybe take a third of your position out here. If you're, you know, trying to play this as a single day trade, maybe take out with a trailing stop loss around here. You get stopped out by this candle. Uh, if you had a lot of conviction in this, you're going to let it run for day two. The opening day two dip on a huge run up on day one is okay. Uh, you hold through that and then you either put in a trailing stop loss as it climbs here, or you say, no, I really believe that this is going to hit 45, 46. And if you had seen the other IPOs that, you know, had gone live on this, on day one, you would have had a lot of confidence in these IPOs. And, and if you like this company to begin with, it's not unrealistic to think that maybe you stayed up, you know, through here at a stop loss or really went, you know, if you held any position beyond that, I think once you see a big number like 50 coming up, it's a good time to take money there. But just another example of one, this is the kind of play that makes it so easy on you because when it goes up from 37 to 40, okay, you put your stop loss in at 38, sit back, get comfortable, you know, and uh, focus on other trades. Dutch Brothers was kind of the the big surprise, I think, for Dutch a lot Brothers, of people. It's the best coffee in the world, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and I I uh, got so dis- this is one where I just got distracted. I had a st- uh, entry order. It was originally showing at uh, indicating at twenty nine on the bid, thirty one at the ask, and I set my entry at thirty eighty five. You know, we did get a little dip off the debut, uh, which would have caught because I was trying to undercut by you know, the ask by about, you know, 15 cents. And I got caught watching other trades, getting into other trades. And when they raised the ask to 33, I was literally in the middle of updating my order when this went live. Once it jumped up, I didn't want to chase and kind of kicked myself for missing it. But I took all the proceeds and put it into on and made money on that one. So I can't kick myself too badly. But again, this is exactly what you, I mean, this is the dream setup. It just goes straight up. You're not taking any heat. You can set your stop loss, you know, around here after, you know, you watch it go up. You can take profits at any of these points, um, but you do want to be taking profits. See, this is what I was talking about right here. If you got greedy and said, no, it's going to go to 80, you know, it's not going to go to 80 right away without coming back a bit. And if you're in this for a quick trade, this, you know, you take profits at major milestones. 40 is a major milestone. 45 is a major milestone. Uh, 50 is certainly a time when I'd say, look, if I had anything left in this and it goes to, from 32 to 50 in two days, I'm taking profits out. And if you didn't, if you tried to catch this like one minute when it jumped up on the very opening you know, of day three, 54, you know, you got hammered. <laughs> you lost uh, 12 points in about 30 minutes watching this thing come down and hoping it's going to come back. And the feeling here, you get kind of desperate. You, you don't want to sell because you're in your mind, you're like, oh, I could have had that. Maybe it'll come back and you hold. And then it comes down here and you're just like, Ugh. and then you panic sell down here. It's like, might as well just sold two days earlier and use that money in another IPO. So take your profits. Don't round, regret round it. Numbers. Round numbers are important. Round numbers are important. Round numbers on these, definitely important. Uh, ThoughtWorks, this one kind of surprised me. I think it just kind of caught the trend of everything, you know, everything was rising in the IPO world. I 
believe and I hope that we're seeing IPOs that are not debuting at 100% premiums. We're seeing like the strong, solid ones debut at, you know, 30% premium, 40% premium. And that gives us some room as retail traders to get in and experience a bit of the pop. Uh, ThoughtWorks, I think, caught that trend. It sort of opened up and dropped, uh, came back up a little bit, and it's just kind of bouncing around. And then it felt like the market went, wait, IPOs are hot. ThoughtWorks is an IPO today. Okay. And it just blasted up. And then it carried that momentum. I think it was riding a lot of um, a lot of the trend. I didn't have a, and I was you know fully committed to on on by this point. Um, but this one was you know did well. And when I start seeing all the IPOs do strongly, I'm going to start you know I, it gives me more confidence to hey this this trade is working. I want to get in this um, easy fill. This was a low float kind of meme pumped in the stock group. Uh, if you're going to play these, you know, try to buy on the, the lower than the, the debut and just wait for that one pump. We've seen it on day one or day two. We get one big pump. Um, when it does that, if you want to play this, you're taking a big risk, in my opinion. You know, buy the dip, sell the rip, uh, wait for day one or day two is when we've seen a lot of these run. Take your money out and then forget about it. I don't think this is a strong company. On on, this was the Michael Jordan ringing the bell, Federer backed. It was an obvious day two run for me. Uh, bought in on debut and just basically sat it out. I didn't try to take profits here and play it out. I just said, look, I'm going to hold this to day two and I'm going to take, you know, at 38.50, I'm going to take my profits and then play the next one, which was my best win of the week. By the time Thursday rolled around, Forge Rock was poised for, you know, a run. It's tech, it's identity, it's cybersecurity, has a pretty low float. And it was just, you know, I took a very big position on the debut. Uh, let it ride for day two, and then just started taking out, you know, I took 1500 shares, took 500 out here, 500 out uh, here, I got stopped out, I was protecting, you know, 500 on the downside here, and then 500 on the way up here. So we're in the 42 range. So that was an easy win. Now, taking what we looked at last week, we're still seeing IPOs. Yeah, we have a full slate. I'm going to just completely skip through some of these. Yeah. we have a full slate of IPOs. IPOs are still debuting at a little bit of a tentative premium, which is great for IPO trading. Uh, we have a day two run. Almost all of these are giving us day two runs. We also have a lot of plays. So my strategy is to play as many as I can without taking a loss, stacking up five, 10% wins and rolling my wins into the next one. If somehow this week I can play four or five IPOs without taking a loss and taking a 10% win on each one, uh, or rare, that will compound itself into a very large win total by the end of the week. And when I looked at back at my totals at the end of last week, even though I made you know some mistakes, I missed some opportunities, I still did incredibly well. So the first one is AKA Brands Holding. I don't know much about this. This is a retail brand that, uh, you know, clothing for Gen Z. Uh, they have a direct to consumer and mobile first model. So low overhead. Uh, some of the brand names are Princess Polly, Culture Kings, Petal and Pup, and Reb Dolls. I guess Princess Polly and Culture Kings are the ninety percent of their of their business. They have growing revenue, gross profits, and gross margins, which are the three kind of uh, things that we look for. And revenue was up one hundred and sixty six percent in the first half of twenty twenty one versus twenty twenty. Gross profit up one hundred and seventy percent in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty, and a pretty low float. So the financials are there. I don't know if the brand recognition is going to be there amongst traders. I mean, Gen Z, I don't know how many of them are going to be buying, you know, stock. And I don't know how many of them will 
connect the dots between AKA brands holding and these brands that we're talking about. But um, I've missed out on some, you know, some strong retail debuts that are just not in my wheelhouse. I'm more focused on tech and growth socks, like uh, not, not necessarily in retail, but we saw a curve. We saw a few others that did really well off the IPO. So um, this one might be worth dipping a dipping a toe in the water, but there's a lot of IPOs on this date and the next date. So I definitely don't want to get caught in anything and I'm willing to miss uh, or undercut to uh, the entry to try to, you know, take quick profits and move on. Toast. This All is right. one that, Here's the yeah. one I want to know about. This is the one okay. that I'm interested in. I think there's a lot of interest in this because a lot of especially entrepreneurs are in the restaurant industry or aware of toast. It gets a lot of comparison to square, even though the comparisons are a little bit, uh, maybe not completely aligned, but basically it's payment processing and point of sale for the restaurant industry. So a lot of restaurants are using this to charge your credit card for meals. Everybody pays for their car, you know, meals with credit cards. And this system, this uh, software as a service is specifically tailored for restaurants. Now they got hit really badly at the beginning of the pandemic because people stopped going to restaurants. There was lockdown, uh, but they pivoted really quickly to launch services, basically to allow restaurants to run their own uh, delivery services and tie in with, you know, and to sidestep these, um, you know, uh, Instacart or Uber Eats, these kinds of things and, and do it themselves. And we all know that restaurants don't really love the, uh, delivery food models that, or these delivery services because they take such an aggressive cut of their profits. Um, and it takes a big a key of the, you know, dining experience out of their hands. Customers want their food fast and hot. And if they're leaving it to some, someone else to handle it, you know, maybe they can do it more efficiently themselves and put those profits in their own pockets. So Toast did pretty well, uh, despite the hit, they were still able to grow revenue 23%. In the middle of COVID, uh, they've had 104% growth in 2021 to 2020. And the valuation of this IPO is actually coming in below what they had attempted to go uh, public with in February 2021. The float isn't that high. And I think a lot of people are very interested in this one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I've already seen other kind of um, social, you know, social stock people who own restaurants talking about this one and looking forward to it. So I believe this one's going to be hot. Um, I want to keep an eye on it, but I do believe that this one is one worth playing, especially if we don't see a super high premium, but it's probably worth playing anyway. You have the right people interested in this and it has the right, um, you know, it's certainly poised for reopening and uh, continued lockdown. So it's good. There's just a lot of other really good ones this week. Uh, Freshworks is a CRM solution. They have 50,000 paying customers, uh, 11,000 customers paying over 5,000 a year, but they compete with Salesforce and it's a pretty crowded market. Despite that, they are growing faster than a lot of their peers. They got sales growth up 53%, their cash flow positive. This float is the only thing that's a little bit kind of like, given how many IPOs there are, I really want to find the ones that are most primed to, you know, to get a, a pump. And at 28.5 million shares, this one is like, I like it. I just, I'm going to be very tight with any kind of uh, stop losses because there's so many later in the week that I don't want to have, you know, a, a big portion of my buying power tied up in anything. And I'm not, you know, I would say I'm pretty, pretty high conviction, but not as high as some of the other things I like this week. 
Uh, Sterling check, this is background screening and monitoring. They are rebounding past uh, in post lockdown. People are starting to hire again. They need to do background screening. Uh, revenue is still up 43% in the six months ending June 30th, 2021. Profit up 42% at the same period. The float is pretty low. Um, this is getting into September 23rd now. So, um, so I have to check that one. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I will have to kind of feel this out. And if all the IPOs are doing well off the debut and the timing of this one in the throughout the day, because they don't all go live at nine, none of them go live at 9.30. Some will go live at 10, some will go live at 11, some won't go live until 12 or even one. So there is an element of schedule that goes into these. And if I can't play them all, I'm not sure this is just screaming at me, hey, don't miss this one, um, but it does look pretty strong. Knowlton Development, this one's interesting. I had no idea what they were, but they they basically develop and produce products for the beauty, personal care, home care brands, basically packaged consumer goods. And they do this for over a thousand brands and over 9,000 products. So 18 out of the largest consumer packaged goods companies use them as clients. And they basically handle like the R&D, formulation, packaging, design, production, regulation. They kind of like produce the products that other brands then package and sell as their brand. And they have really good numbers. I mean, revenues up 96% year over year, gross profits up 119% year over year. Uh, the one thing that really kind of gives me the uh, is the 55, 57 million shares. I usually like IPOs that are under, you know, around or under 30 million shares. 50 million shares is a very large float for the retail uh, market to gobble up before we start seeing demand outpace supply. So this would really require a bunch of in institutional investors, a lot of retail traders, a lot of people need to get in on this after it goes live for this to push the share price up. So maybe this doesn't do badly and maybe this is a solid company. I'm just not sure we're going to see the kind of movement that I like to see in an IPA, IPO debut to take profits. All right, a couple more minutes here. What else we got? Okay, we got Thorn Health Tech. This is personalized nutritional supplements on a subscription platform. Uh, they're profitable, positive cash flow, net profit. Uh, they have free cash flow, strong revenue, strong profits, low float. It's basically nutritional supplements. I don't know. Not For me, it's kind of like, well, crowded space. I don't know about it. Yeah, Probably. next. Next. Engage Smart. This is customer engagement software is taking market share from their competitors. They're, so they're rapidly growing and aggressively against companies like uh, Salesforce and um, okay. the other one we saw earlier. SaaS is, SaaS is big. SaaS is big. Revenue up 58%, profits up 61%, swinging to net income positive and a pretty low float. This is the kind of play that looked like it did pretty well last week. And I sort of like this one for this week. I probably will put it on the very likely to play list okay. and uh, keep an eye on that one. Sobos brands, these guys uh, acquire food brands in you know products that they believe are going to be hot. Um, Michelangelo's, Rouse Homemade, Nusa Yogurt, Birch Benders. I'm not familiar with these brands. I don't live in America, though, so maybe that's why. Uh, revenue growth during lockdown, sure. Uh, profit up 28.6. That should be a percent. Um, low float. Don't worry, Matt. I live in America. I never heard of those brands either. Yeah. So these guys make money. It's a you know, it's a it's a company that makes money. Great. But is it really going to stand out in the crowded mar IPO market this week? If it does, great. But I'm probably not going to play it. Uh, Brilliant Earth Group, ethically sourced jewelry uh, that's sold direct to consumer in showrooms, targeted towards millennials and Gen Z. 
revenue up 78%, profits up 94%, net income and growing cash. Uh, there is some random lawsuit on uh, on record that they basically say, look, this is garbage. Some customers said they recorded phone calls with the customer without alerting them. Um, doesn't sound like anything you know, critical to their business model. Lowish float. Uh, I really don't know about this one. It's interesting. Those are great financials. Uh, sure. I think the attitudes and jewelry are shifting. People are even open to kind of like lab grown diamonds and that kind of thing. Um, but not really, you know, trade what you know. I don't know anything about this. I bought, you know, exactly one diamond in my life, you know, and that was to get, you know, right. Two, yeah. guess, you all, know right. Well, all right. All right. We got one minute left. What else we got? Yeah. Remitly. This one's interesting, but it's crowded space. They send money, international money transfers. They compete with Wise, Zoom, and others. I'm going to blow through this one. Uh, I'm going to send out a newsletter uh, tonight with further details on all these. So sign up for the newsletter at ipowarriors.com. There is one other one I want, or two I want to cover if you can give me a minute here. Argo blockchain. This is an uplisting. It's a crypto miner. What's interesting about this is it's a low float uh, being offered, but there's a 456 million shares outstanding. However, a lot of times on these uplistings, we don't see those initial shares be or those kind of carryover shares being tradable right away. It's also being offered on Robinhood, which is a 30 day lockup usually. So I've also noticed uh, the price spike last week above the it's trading at a dollar 80 right now uh, the uplisting is a reverse split of 10 to 1 so the fair market value should be a dollar you know 85. so why did it spike up well we saw this in fcuv about two weeks ago and what it appeared to be was the underwriter and the shareholders were buying up all the shares on the day of the offering there was a huge squeeze there was no shares available and they just pumped the price up so if that happens with this one just keep an eye on it. it's a phenomenon i've been uh, paying attention to. This one's really interesting to me, Q Health, and we can kind of close on this one. Uh, they make COVID-19 tests. Uh, they're a digital diagnostic device, and they're going to expand into pregnancy flu and other testing applications. And it's clearly catching on. They got huge contracts with the U.S. military and the NBA. They're partnered with J&J, &J, Mayo Clinic, et cetera. There's no comps for 22 because they weren't doing COVID. You know, uh, they didn't have financials in 2020. But the revenue wow. for this, you know, for the last year, 200 million product uh, gross profit of 116 million product gross profit margin was 58% and the floats pretty low. We've seen COVID plays do really well. So I like this one. Oh, there is one more Clearwater Analytics. It's a SaaS investment and management for asset management. Uh, revenue and profits are solid, not particularly exciting, but when you sell things to investment management companies, they know about this product. If they like it, they'll buy this, the, you know, the IPO, but I think I'll be putting pretty heavy play into Q health given uh, the setup here on the same day. And I like that one better than Clearwater Analytics. So right. you can't play them all. This isn't Pokemon. You're not going to catch everything. Uh, you need to, you know, identify the trades, pick out three or four that you really like and focus on those. Uh, watch the others just to learn from what's going on. But we have a great week. Things will look really strong last week. And I'm super excited for what's coming up on the IPO calendar. Matt Hammond, IPOWarriors.com. Thanks a lot, Matt. Talk to you next Monday. Thanks, Spencer. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys, we're wrapping up here. Uh, just, to, just to put everything in perspective here today, um, we are down. First off, we've come two two dollars off the low in the in spy in the last few minutes here. But just to put things in perspective, we're down four and a half percent from what? From all time highs. So, yes, there is. I'm not saying this is nothing. This morning, uh, the sell off the last few days, it's not nothing. But let's all just keep that in perspective. We were at all time highs a little while ago. So, um, yeah, don't. If you're panicking, if you're running for the hills on today, then frankly, you've got too much risk on the table. Take some money off the table, frankly. 
Um, just wanted to say that before we're done. All right. That's going to be a wrap for me. Does everyone have a good rest of your day? And uh, we'll see you later. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.